wouldn't ask if you're ready for the Christmas season, but it really doesn't matter, does it? Because, like, we're smack dab in the middle of it. I walked in. The, the Christmas trees are fantastic. Whoever did that, like, well done. Like, the Christmas trees look great. But driving in this morning, you know, Romeo's all decorated. And the first service, like, I was just feeling bad for myself. So I was like, you know, it was like in the 6, what well, was like 655. So it's pretty much 7. But I wanted it to sound earlier than it was. So I told the first service, like, 6-something, you know, I was driving through Romeo. The lights were all on. It was looking great. So we are, like, right in the middle of the Christmas season already. I'm curious, though, by raise of hands, how many, because I want to find out who my rule breakers are, how many you started to tune the radio to the Christmas songs and you started to pull out Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving? Raise your hands. Yup, look around. Now we know who you are. How many of you, you're like, not me. You have to watch the Lions play and then we can listen to Christmas music. Raise your hands. And then there's a lot who are just not going to play. I see how this service is. I, I got it. I got it. So I, <laughs> I'm so ashamed to admit that. So I'm from Oklahoma. I, I'm not ashamed to admit that part. But I'm from Oklahoma. But I thought everyone was kind of like us. Like I did. I thought everyone was like us. Everyone knew the rule. You eat the turkey, watch the lions, and then you can be in the Christmas swing of things. Like I thought that's how. And then we moved to Lisbon, Portugal to be missionaries. That's in Europe. So for three years we lived in Lisbon. And uh, they don't have Thanksgiving. And I didn't know that. Like, it just never occurred to I just never thought about that being in Oklahoma. Like, I never thought through the fact that, like, not everyone has Native Americans and pilgrims. Like, that just, in my head, it never occurred to me. And so we moved there. And then when we got there, I thought, there's no rules. I can do whatever I want. And so we bought a Christmas tree. And it was October. First of October. So at the that's out of control. But that's what we did. Anyway, um, we, we, like... We do it to ourselves every single year, it seems. January 2nd hits, and by January 2nd, you're wearing the husky pants, and you're, you're worn out, you're exhausted. You know, you spent way too much money, and we're just, we're worn out. Like, there's no peace in your life. You're just worn out from all the craziness of the Christmas season. I don't even know why we do it, but we do it every single year. Again, good morning, everyone. I am Billy Creech, and I'm excited to be with you. I am so excited for us to get to know each other over this next season. I think it's going to be a, a really good time. Um, but more than that, I'm excited about this morning. Because this morning, I know that we have people who walk through the doors with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I know that we have people who came in here just thinking, like, I need, I need a word from the Lord. And, and I just want you to know, we don't have a secret agent God. You know, he's not going to play hide-and-seek from you. If you came in this morning seeking him, you will find him. And so I just know that this morning is going to be one of those mornings for some of you that you never, ever forget. So before we start, if it's okay, I just want to pray to start. I want us to have open ears, open hearts, open minds to what he wants to do. Lord, we do thank you for today. We thank you for the gift of life. And I do pray for this morning that um, as we are in this place, we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word. That we're transformed by the renewing of our minds this morning to do a work that only you can do. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so today we kick off our Christmas series called Then Came Hope. Now we hope for all kinds of things for Christmas. I asked around to try to find out like what's the present this year? Like what is the thing? And no one could tell me. Like I had someone say like I think it's a GoPro, you know, and the GoPro I think it was like five years ago that was like really awesome. Maybe it's still awesome. I don't, I don't have a GoPro, but maybe that's the thing. Some people, some people say I think it's a Nintendo Switch. I don't know if that's still the gift or not, but some people said, like, no, no, that's the gift. Like, everyone wants this. And then someone said a fingerling. 
Have you raised, do you know what a fingerling is? Like four of you. Okay, so for the rest of you, for the rest of you, listen, this is so intriguing to me. I've never seen one, but I hear it's like this little interactive, a fake monkey, not a real monkey, but like this monkey that will hold your finger or you can put it on a pencil and it will, it will like interact, like an interactive monkey interacts with you. I, I've never seen one. But it sounds intriguing, like it sounds so, so cool. But that's all about joy, right? Some presents are about joy. I just want this present to make me happy. Some of you are like, oh, no, no monkeys in the house. Like, I've got enough monkeys in the house. No more monkeys in the house. And so for you, you want that gift card to the spa. Like, you just want some soothing music. You want to join the book club. You know, that's what you're like. Just buy me some books and let me just just melt away because I need some peace this Christmas. I asked for an umbrella. But not just any umbrella. Like, my wife wanted to know, what do you want, Billy? And I said, I want a man umbrella. Because I drive a Prius, and so I need help, y'all. Like, <laughs> true. But I'm not making it up about the umbrella. Like, it's under the tree. She can't really hide it because it's, it's a tall. Anyway, I, I was like, I want a man umbrella. And I want it to have, like, you know, like metal in it. So when you open it up and the Michigan wind hits, it doesn't flop inside out because that's no good. So I want, like, a, with a wooden handle. You know, I want a a man umbrella, and she's like, okay, honey, you know, so that, that's what, that's what she, but now that I started thinking about it, she asked me this before this was becoming, but I'm looking different than I normally would ever look, because No Shave November came and went, and I still got the beard, I still got the beard, because I discovered beard oil, y'all, beard oil's cool, because you just get this, it's not even in my notes, but I'm just going to share it with you, you slather this oil all over your face, and then your, your beard doesn't itch, and I'm thinking, so maybe I need a beard brush, and maybe some beard butter, because one day, one day, even though I drive a Prius, one day someone's going to look at me and they're going to go, Billy, your beard game is strong. You know, that's, <laughs> I can have hope, right? I can have hope. Hope and joy and peace and kindness. These, these are the longings of our heart at Christmas. That's really what we're longing for, isn't it? And that's really what Jesus brings. Jesus brings Hope and joy and peace and kindness, what we're talking about in this series, at a very intimate level. For each and every single one of us, that's what Jesus came to bring. And he came to bring it for your family. And he came to bring that for our church family. Today, we're going to dive in and talk about peace. That's really where we're going to camp out today. You know how the carol goes. We just sang it. Hark the herald angels sing joy to. No, that's not how it goes. Glory to. I need to just read the lyrics. Hark the herald angels sing Glory. Well, see what happened the first service? I felt so relaxed because, like, we you know, had a few here and a few here and a few here. And here, I don't know who to make eye contact with. And so I'm all, I'm all flustered. Anyway, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth. Will you do this? Take out your sermon notes this morning. Take out your sermon notes. And I want you to write peace on earth, peace on earth. And, and the reason I want you to write that is because when you write something down, even for my auditory learners in the group, it just helps to sear that information on your head. And I want you thinking about this all week long. Peace on earth. And then underline it, if you will. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. I want you to underline that. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. So the whole carol begins by saying hark. That's like saying this. That's like saying, hey, hark. 
Hark, y'all like, pay attention, listen up. That's what that's saying. It's saying, listen up. Then it says the herald angels. Now, a herald during the king and queen times would be that person that would go before the king and the queen and say, everyone stop what you're doing. You need to pay attention because the king is coming through, and you don't want to be missing this. Like, you want to pay attention so everyone stop what you're doing. And so the herald angels come through, and the herald angels, the first thing they say is glory to the newborn king. And then it says peace on earth. And that's what we're talking about today because Jesus in our text when we dive in, we're going to see that Jesus says, in him, we may have peace. It doesn't matter what the world's throwing at you. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world around you. In him, we can have true and lasting peace. In fact, if there's one thing that you remember today, I hope it's not the umbrella. The one thing I want you to remember today is that Jesus' peace overwhelms the world's threat. Let me say that again. Jesus' peace overwhelms the world's threat. So let's take our Bibles and let's open up to the book of John, chapter 16. John 16, 33. John is the fourth book of your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's going to be more than three quarters. It's going to be about that much. If you're like, I'm not sure where that, it's about that much in. So if you're wanting to skip in your Bible ahead, go about that much. John 16, 33. This is Jesus talking. You can just go ahead and put a bookmark there because we're going to spend the whole time right in this area. John 16, Jesus says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, normally our text is a little bit longer, so I want to read this again, because I want us to really narrow our focus on this this morning. It says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I have to call a quick time out. Because so oftentimes we read a verse and it's like a really cool verse. And so then what we do is we're like, I need a sign for my office with that verse on it. You know, we treat it like a fortune cookie, don't we? Like it's like a Christian fortune cookie. That's kind of sometimes what we do. But when you do that, if you're not careful, you miss the power of the gospel message. Anytime you see a verse, go back and read what's before it. Take some time, read what's before it. And then take some time to read what's after it so that you get the full context of what you're reading. Let me set the context today. If you look at John chapters 1 through 12, chapters 1 through 12 takes about two and a half years worth of Jesus' ministry. I mean, I, but it's really more than that. I was thinking about this last night. It's, it's really more than that because John chapter 1 says what? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We talked about it in the last sermon series, didn't we? So really, John 1 starts before the book of Genesis starts. And so John chapters 1 through 12 covers lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of years, doesn't it? John chapter 13 through 19, on the other hand, covers 24 hours. Pretty much 24 hours. That's it. So this is where John says, I want to slow the story way, way, way down for you. From what I've heard, I've never timed it, but I've heard that it takes about an hour to an hour and a half to read John chapters 1 through 12. It takes the same amount of time to read chapters 13 through 19. John wants to narrow the focus for us at the very end because he wants us to understand the key to the gospel message. That's what's going on. Makes more sense, doesn't it? Gives us a little more context. So this is the last night that Jesus is with his disciples. Some of his parting words. Here's what he says. He says, I've said these things to you so that in me you can have peace. Peace according to what Jesus says, comes from receiving his word. When you receive the word of Jesus, the fruit of that 
with peace. Isn't that beautiful? That's fantastic. I think that's so beautiful. So Jesus was very concerned with the place of his word in the lives of his followers that night. He was very concerned. In fact, take your Bibles, go back one page. Just look at chapter 14, if you will. John chapter 14. Look at verse 23 and 24. We're going to look at the importance that Jesus places on his word in the lives of the, of the followers. It says, Jesus answered him. If anyone loves me, he will, look what it says, he will keep my word. You can underline that if you'd like. He will keep my word. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. So if we keep his word, we show him that we love him. Now look uh, forward just a little bit more in John chapter 15. Just right there. John chapter 15, verse 11. Look at verse 11. It says, these things I've spoken to you. Again, the place of his word in our lives. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So as a Christian, our joy comes from the word of Jesus. That's where our joy is going to come from. Chapter 16, verse 1. Right, right there, right at the beginning of the chapter. You see it, verse 1 says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus knows. He knows the disciples are getting ready to hit this stress point. He doesn't want them to fall away. So he's like, I want you to be grounded in my word. And then finally, verse 33, our text for this morning. I said all these things to you that in me you may have peace. So Jesus says your joy, your peace, your ability to stay with me and not fall away. It all depends on the place, on the value that we put his word in our lives. All those things, the place of Jesus' word in our lives helps us to have all those things. And he finishes with peace. Isn't that beautiful? I think he finishes with peace because the disciples at this point, they're clueless. They, they have no idea. They think at this point that they're just celebrating the Passover meal with their master. That's what they think. We're going to sit with the rabbi. We're going to sit with the teacher. We're going to sit with our Lord, Jesus. And he's going to lead us through the Passover celebration, through the faith. That, that's what's going on. But Jesus knew it was more, didn't he? He knew that soon after this, he would go to the garden to pray. He knew that after that, he would be arrested. After that, he would be tried. He would be beaten. He would be whipped. He would be crucified. He knew. And he knew the response of the disciples was they would grow tired. They would panic. They would leave him one by one. They would leave him. And he wanted them to understand your peace in this world is not going to come from the situation of the world around you. It's going to come from my word. And that's true for us today. So what is peace? I haven't really defined it. Peace, if we look at the international level, peace means we're not at war, right? That's what peace means. We're not at war. But you and I, we're not naive. We know that although you can drive through Romeo and you can see the lights and we didn't have to like dodge tanks to get here or anything, even though we are at peace does not mean that this morning there are not men and women all around this globe who are standing watch. All right, we know that. We know that they are standing on a very dangerous line knowing that at any given moment bullets can fly and they're doing that so that we are free to worship here today. And that makes us pause to realize that internationally there's not necessarily peace. But what, what about you? What about you as an individual? How are you doing with peace? No, peace, peace would mean you're, you're not wrecked with, with anxiety. You're not wrecked with guilt and with shame. You're not wrecked with nervousness because the holiday season. You're not wrecked with all that stuff, but you're, you're centered. You're in this place of, of shalom, right? You're in this place where you can speak love with conviction. That's where you are. 
Or how about relationally? How are you doing relationally? See, I think that if we look nationally or internationally, I think things are a mess when it comes to peace right now. I, really, I don't think nationally or internationally there's peace. I think we're an absolute mess right at this moment. But what about individuals? See, you're the only one who can answer that. How are you personally doing with peace? Do you feel like you're centered? Do you feel like you're, you're focused? Do you feel like you're able to freely love those around you? Or does it feel like there's something missing? Where, where are you with that? Because Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. The peace of Jesus overwhelms the world's threat. So to embrace the peace of Jesus this Christmas, you have to embrace two realms. Right now, we know as followers of Jesus, we know that we live in the world and we live in Jesus. We live in Christ all at the same time. Right? We, we know that. Jesus says it. Look back at the, at the verse again, chapter 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you that in me, you see that? In me, you can have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. That's beautiful. Sometimes, sometimes people uh, preach a gospel message that says that if you follow Jesus, there's not going to be any trouble. That's not what the gospel says. That is just not what Jesus says at all. Do you see what he said? Here's what he didn't say. He didn't say, why don't you come follow me? And if you follow me, things are going to be pretty good in the world most of the time. Most of the time, it's going to be all right. Like, you're going to be, that's not what he said. He said, in the world, you're going to have trouble. In the world, there will be tribulation. Always count on it. Count on the fact that in the world, there's going to be trouble. But don't miss this truth, church. In me, Jesus says, you will have peace. Always, not sometimes. Not mostly, not maybe, but always, you will have peace in Jesus. Now, I love the sermons that I get to preach where I say, let's walk through walls, let's climb mountains, let's slay dragons, let's charge hell with a water pistol. You know, I love those sermons. Just like, let's just be fired up. But here's truth today. Jesus talks, and I, I, I think this is why when I read scripture, I just fall in love with it again and again and again. I love how real Jesus is. Because he's like, cancer's real, and it's, it's ugly. Sickness and disease, it's ugly. War is ugly. Relational tensions, it's brutal, isn't it? But he's like, in me, in me is that place where you can have peace. Just a few minutes before this, Jesus gives some insight into peace. Look back at your Bible, chapter 14, verse 27. This is the same evening, the same evening that Jesus is saying all this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So the peace that Jesus gives, he says right here, the peace that he gives is not of this world. The disciples, when they would have heard this, something would have come to their mind. Because they were experiencing peace. This was the time of the Pax Romana, right? This, this is the Roman peace. You know how the Romans brought peace, don't you? The Romans laid their roads, and then they brought a huge military force, come through, and they whooped you. And after they whooped you, they put big, ugly, mean guards there with weapons. And they said, we're going to have peace because if you get out of line, then this guard is going to thump you, you know. And so we're going to have some peace around here. That's how they had peace. That's how they had peace. But that's not really peace. That's a super unstable situation, isn't it? So when you follow history's timelines, you're going to find that that was not a peace. It was incredibly unstable. That's not the peace that Jesus brings. Jesus didn't bring violence when he came. Jesus didn't bring anger when he came. In fact, he took the violence on himself through the cross. And through the cross, he conquered sin. 
he broke oppressive societal norms. He withstands the forces of nature. Maybe you've got family in Southern California right now, and maybe you've been a little bit uneasy. Because here we are in the Christmas season, and there's a lot of people fighting for their lives and their homes as wildfires are sweeping throughout the place. The peace of Jesus even overcomes that. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure why, but we try to act like the, the turmoil of the world can be overcome, don't we? What we do is we'll read our books, we'll shut the door to turn on the game, we will go to some place with sandy beaches and lots of sunshine, that's what we do. But you know what happens. Eventually the book ends and you got to go back to life. The game can go to second or third or fourth overtime. It's going to end and you have to go back to life. The sandy beach, although it's beautiful and you love the sunshine and all that goes with it, eventually you got to get back on the airplane, don't you? And you have to go home. And that's where all the turmoil is. I, I think that's the beauty of the gospel message, right? Because no one else is going to give you the peace that Jesus gives you. At the same time, no one can take it away. It reminds me of this 18-year-old girl from my, my last church. Her name was Chelsea. And uh, Chelsea was, was battling cancer. Cancer's ugly. I mean, it, it's just, it's awful. So I was sitting there in the living room talking to Chelsea. Her mom, Sheila, was there. Their golden retriever was there. He's not important to the story. I wish I could remember his name, but he's a good dog. And so we were sitting there in the living room and talking, and um, this was near the end. Chelsea just, you know, she'd been fighting for years, and she had the port and everything, and some of you know what that's like to, to be with someone as they go through that. And Chelsea looked at me, and she said, you know, Pastor Billy, I, um, I'm praying for God to heal me. And she says, the thing is, is I know one way or another, I will beat this cancer. I, I know I will either here or on the other side of heaven that this cancer will be defeated. And I, I know that. And she said, so, but I, I'm praying for life. I'm 18. I just want to live. And then she said, but you know, Pastor, I, um, I'm at a place where I trust him. I have a peace in that. And so if he says yes to my prayer, I trust him. If he, if he says no, I trust him still. And if I don't hear anything, I still trust him. And if her mom was listening, I don't, I don't know. I think her mom needed to hear that. I, I really do. But it doesn't make it easy for a parent to hear your baby say that. And um, then Chelsea looked at me. She said, I do have one request. She said, will you baptize me? She said, I've never been baptized, but my faith is in the Lord, and, and I want to publicly declare that, and I want everyone to see the peace that I have even staring this monster in the face. And my friends, I want to tell you, I've never seen an explosion of celebration like I saw in that baptism service. It was one of the most beautiful things imaginable, all because you have this little girl stand up and say, I have a peace. Even in the midst of the storm, I have a peace, which brings us to our last point today. You need to own the victory. You need to own the victory. As followers of Jesus, again, we live in two realms, don't we? We live in the world and we live in Christ, but only one gives us victory. Look what Jesus said again, chapter 16, verse 33. I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is just before the arrest. This is just before the crucifixion. And Jesus, knowing what's coming, knowing that he's about to die, says, I have overcome the world. I like what one commentator said. He said, Jesus' point 
is that by his death, he has made the world's opposition pointless. He's made it beggarly. The decisive battle has been waged and won. I love that. And this is some of you. You're getting ready to have an interesting couple of weeks, aren't you? And some of you are a little anxious about it. You know, you have the work parties you have to go to. You have all your friends getting together for the party. You have family gatherings. And some of you are thinking, you know, just when those people, whoever those people might be, when those people get together, they always say things about my faith. They always say things about Jesus. They always, and, and I, I'm a little bit anxious about going into that. Jesus has overcome the world. I just want to encourage you to continue to die to yourself. Love that person, even the hard ones. Love them like Jesus. Continue to ask yourself, how do I pray for this person? How do I encourage this person? How do I, how do I invite this person to church? How do I do that? That's my encouragement to you because Jesus has overcome the world. You know, then I look at a sermon like this. There's a date that comes to mind. The date is January the 10th, 2009. Some of you, you have dates that you'll never forget, right? That's, that's one for our family, January the 10th, 2009. We had um, been over to our drummer's house. We were living in Tucson, Arizona. We were starting a church, and we'd been over to Justin's house. Justin was married to a young lady named Alex, and they had a Rottweiler. Again, the Rottweiler is not important to the story, but he was a very good dog as well. And so we were at Justin's house. We, we had a great dinner, got in the car. And I remember it was Saturday because I was like, I need to get the sermon, but like polishing. I got to read through it one more time before bed. It's just something I do. I need one more run through. And he's heard that for 20 years now, one more run through. And so um, I, I were on the way home, and that's when my phone rang. And it, it was one of those phone calls. You know what I mean? Like one of those calls. Amy's family, well, my family too. We're all from the Tulsa area. Um, but her Nana and Papa and Mom and Dad said, let's load up in the car and let's go to Houston. Because that's where Uncle Kurt lives. And Uncle Kurt's wife died the summer before from cancer. And so we want to cheer him up. It's his birthday. Right? It's his birthday. So let's go cheer him up. So they drove all the way down there in the Houston, Texas area, and they got to Uncle Kurt's house somewhere around 11, and so the birthday cake was still there, the cards were still there. His Bible was opened up from where he had done his morning devotions. His Bible was still there on the counter, and finally about 11.30-ish, they got in the car. They said, let's head to the restaurant. Let's go get there early. We're going to give us a bite of lunch, you know, because it's your birthday. Now, Papa, let me tell you about Papa. Papa was ornery. I think here you guys say ornery. Is that how you... I, I'm trying to learn. I think that's how Michigan, I think I've been here like seven years now. Seven years in Michigan, I'm still trying to learn how to say or, ornery. Like, I'm getting there. But in the South, it's ornery, you know. And so Papa was ornery. Papa had, he had this big belly. Like, and it was hard. Like, if you cuss you, he had this hard, big belly. And uh, so he was supposed to be on a diet. But he was horrible at being on a diet. Nana wasn't very tall at all. He was a lot taller than Nana. So he'd hide snack cakes up on top of the fridge so he could sneak them. So anyway, he's sitting there in the van, and his belly's sticking out. And he can't, he can't get it clicked. He had his seatbelt clicked, you know. And so he's trying to get his seatbelt buckled. And uh, Amy's mom unbuckles herself, and she's like, oh, Dad. And she reaches across to click him. She's like, I'll help you. And she clicked his little seatbelt. And about that time, she heard Uncle Kurt, who's driving, say, oh, my. She didn't have a chance to grab her seatbelt, but that's, that's when they were hit. This young man at 1130 on a Saturday morning was street racing. And according to the computer chip in his car, he had reached speeds of 142 miles an hour. 
that's when he hit them. And he killed Amy's dad. And Nana and Papa and Uncle Kurt and his 18-year-old girlfriend killed, killed them all. Amy's mom lived through it, though, because when she had unbuckled herself, uh, they were hit with such a force that it threw her from the vehicle, and she lived through it. Our family started to pray a specific prayer that day, and we haven't stopped praying it. The prayer is, Lord, we want to see your glory, even through this. And as a pastor, church, I got to tell you, I I didn't have the magic verse to make the pain go away. I didn't know the book, just read this book and it's going to fix everything. I, I, di- I didn't have that. All I had was, Lord, you're the one who's going to give us peace. And we, we want to see your glory, even through this. Give us your peace. I don't, I don't know what you've been through, Sam. I don't know what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes. I don't know what hurts, habits, and hang-ups you have. I, I don't know. But I have a feeling that there's a couple of groups in this room today. I have a feeling that we have one group that says, you know, Pastor, I've learned this lesson that my peace only comes through Jesus. And that peace is unshakable. And you've already learned that lesson. If that's you, I just want you, even right now, if you will, will you just start praying for the rest of the people in the room? Will you do that even right now? Just, just start to pray. Because we have another group. I know that we have some people. You're you're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus. You place your faith and your hope and your trust in him as your Lord and Savior. But the reality is somewhere, somewhere you start to take your eyes off of Jesus and you start to be caught up in all the troubles of the world and all the tribulations that you're facing. And so this Christmas season, if you were honest with yourself, you would say, I'm not living in peace, but I want to. In just a moment, I want to pray over you. I want to give you a chance to recenter yourself, to turn back towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And I have a feeling that we have some in this room that you've tried to chase a lot of things. You've chased popularity and maybe money and maybe jobs and may, who knows what all you've chased, but you've never placed your faith in Jesus. You've never had peace. And you want to know that peace. I just want you to know you can have that peace today. We you bow your heads with me? Again, if, if you're a person that you're like, you know what, I'm that first group. I'm that group that pastor. I, I know that peace. Will you just start praying for those around you right now? If you're that follower of Jesus, if you're that Christian who needs just to be prayed over because you don't have that peace right now, but you know that you want that peace, you know that you need his peace, on the count of three, will you put your hand up right where you are? One, two. Just so you know, there's hands all over the room and stuff. You're not alone in this. Father, we need you. And we thank you that you don't hide from us, that you are here. That you are the Alpha, that you are the Omega, you are the beginning, you are the end, you are a strong tower, you're a refuge, you're a hiding place. That is who you are. I don't know why we have to face some of the junk we face in this world, but I know that our peace comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. So I pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray for you just to continue to give us a breath of fresh air. To take us to this place where we're able to see who you are. We're able to see your glory. We're able to see you like like Isaiah. We're able to see you seated on your throne high and exalted in this place. Lord, that's what we're craving to see. 
Lord, we need you. We need you more than anything else this Christmas, Lord. What we need is your peace. Now, Lord, for those who have never placed their faith in you, I just pray for a safe place right here this morning. Lord, I pray for a place where they can come to you and say, God, I believe. God, I believe that you're there, that you love me. Now, before I loved you, you loved me first. And Lord, I'm sorry. I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. I know that on my own, I can't make it right with you. And I believe, Lord, I believe that's why Jesus came. And I believe that's why Jesus lived a perfect and a sinless life. I believe that's why he was crucified, died, and was placed in the tomb. I believe on the third day he conquered sin and death and rose again. And I am placing my faith and my hope and my trust in that truth. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me.